Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about Halloween, the Spice Girls, James Bond and his friend Chewbacca, colorized history, and which states are most under threat from Indiana. That's coming up in a minute with Eric Malinsky from Imaginary Worlds. But first, I want to thank John and Justin from Transistor.fm for backing Follow Friday on Patreon. Transistor is an independent podcast hosting company with a simple, modern interface for uploading audio, distributing your podcast, and viewing analytics. You can also make as many podcasts on Transistor as you want for no extra cost, and you can invite additional users to access the show settings, upload episodes, view analytics, and more. Check them out at Transistor.fm. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet. The folks you should know. Hey. Let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Friday. Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, please take a moment now and follow or subscribe in your podcast app. It's free, and you'll get fresh interviews with your favorite creators every week. Today on the show is Eric Malinsky, the host of Imaginary Worlds. It is an incredible podcast about science fiction, fantasy, and why we suspend our disbelief. And because this is October, aka spooky season, I'd like to strongly recommend the episode about the real origin of the Grimm Brothers fairy tales. It will blow your mind. It's amazing. You can find Eric on Twitter at emalinsky and Imaginary Worlds wherever you listen to podcasts. Eric, welcome to Follow Friday. Thank you. I love Halloween. And uh, I actually do a Halloween-themed episode every year. I used to try to do a Halloween-themed ads if I could. But I did one episode about the creation of the Haunted Mansion on uh, Disneyland, uh, later Disney World. And then uh, I did one a couple years ago about seances. That was really interesting. Ooh. Seances in fiction, like Ghost? or No, the sort of like... The, you know, the kind of seances that Houdini was trying to debunk. Um, oh, and uh, and sort of that whole sort of Houdini versus the the mediums, um, and um, and then talking to a guy who does a modern day kind of theatrical kind of quote unquote séance. Huh. Are you are you yourself a fan of horror movies? Horror often gets kind of lumped into genre along with sci fi and fantasy. Not. I mean. I, I, you know, I, I'm scared very easily uh, by certain things. It's funny. Like, slasher films don't do anything for me, but I'm terrified of zombies. I cannot watch anything with zombies. I've, I, You know, vampires are fine. I more just love Halloween because I just feel like it's a global cosplay day, which is just like, you know, the fact that people will decorate their houses, especially where I live in Brooklyn. And well, I mean, there's lots of different places this happens, but you know, in our neighborhood in Brooklyn, people just go all out. And I just love seeing like a ginormous spider that somebody put on top of their brownstone and they cover the brownstone <laughs> with cob- cobwebs and they'll have like the 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 body of like, you know, Norman, Norman Bates's mother in silhouette. And I, I just love, and then also to seeing the kids, it's an interesting like getting the pulse of what characters are popular each year. You know, it's always interesting to be like, oh, so because that, that's how you know who's really resonating, you know, like in terms of characters. It's one thing if the studios are pushing somebody. It's another thing if you see, you know, however many of whatever out there, you're like, oh, that character really did resonate with the kids this year. 
but everything is so fractured now. I bet it's getting like harder to figure that out. It's not just like the choice where are you going dressed as Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger, two characters that everyone sort of knew. Yeah. There's so many new outlets for horror content out there that you could have someone who's really passionate about something that's on YouTube or Shudder and you and I wouldn't even recognize it. No, it's true. Uh, well, the deep cut anime stuff, I never know. Like, I know, um, I mean, I know the sort of like the big hits of anime, but there are just so many other just deep cuts that I, I have no idea. Those people I always see at Comic-Con, too. So for people who haven't listened to Imaginary Worlds before, talk a bit about how you decide what to cover on the show. Like, how does the show work? I always like to say that the show is imagine if NPR went to Comic-Con and decided that's all they ever wanted to cover. Because I used to work in public radio for many, many years. Um, I worked on an arts and culture show called Studio 360. It was, a you know, we cover a really wide range of stuff. but and, and they gave me more leeway than any show could possibly give me in terms of covering the sci-fi fantasy stuff I wanted to cover. But, it you know, it was it was a small, you know, a small area of what they wanted me to actually cover. And I just felt like so much of public radio... When they would cover sci-fi fantasy, it would be very tongue-in-cheek. Mm. Um, you know, well, now for a fun story about those wacky nerds who dress up in <laughs> costumes or that have to keep reminding listeners how much money this stuff made to justify why they were talking about it in public radio. And I even found with my own, like I was doing, you know, like with my own pieces as well, I just even found I found that like my editor, even if he really liked whatever it was I was covering, he'd always be like, now remember, there is some 50-year-old businessman driving home from work, turns on NPR, thinks he's going to get Marketplace, and instead you're geeking out about Battlestar Galactica. You have to justify why this is on the radio. And so I just thought, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to do that? Um, and the other thing is the conversations that the fans have are always so interesting and so nuanced and always reflect what's going on in the real world as much as any kind of arts uh, that I was covering beforehand. But I feel like that when it gets couched within Marvel or Star Trek or Star Wars, people who aren't into that stuff just laugh and think, oh, it's a bunch of nerds arguing. And it's like, no, they're talking about gender, race, representation, capitalism. I mean, they're they're arguing over the same, you know, the same things you're arguing over. It's just like, you know, it's just within a fantasy world. And so, um, you know, and of course, and on top of that, I love all this stuff. I mean, although I've, you know, it's been an education for me. I mean, I've, I've almost given myself a crash course in a lot of things I didn't, I wasn't, there's some things I was stronger in and some things I wasn't as strong in. So it's been interesting for me to go deep into different areas I didn't know about and then to indulge things I love to, you know, keep returning back to those things in different ways. So, um, but each episode, I don't know if that really describes the, the show itself <laughs> is about a half hour every other week. And like I said, it, it has that public radio sound. Me as narrator, uh, interviews that are edited uh, with, with narration, music, clips, that kind of thing. Well, like I said, I, I love Imaginary Worlds. So it's an incredible show. Everyone should go listen to it. But for now, let's find out who Eric Malinsky follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person he recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Final Friday. Eric, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category Someone You Just Started Following, and you said Postmodern Jukebox, which is on YouTube at Postmodern Jukebox. They're also on Twitter and Instagram at PMJ Official, and you can find their music on Apple Music, Spotify, and more. I'm pretty sure I'd seen one of their videos before, and I loved it, but I forgot to subscribe, and then I kind of forgot they existed. So first off, thank you for resurfacing Postmodern Jukebox into my life. They're amazing. Please explain what they do. 
Yes, resurfacing something that was huge five or six years ago that for some bizarre reason, even though I'm online all the time, I don't know how I miss Postmodern Jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I'm like to talk about them now is like, have you heard Serial? I wonder who the real killer was, you know? Um, have you heard of Homestar Runner? It's a school yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, I discovered them during the pandemic. And when I was just very sad and depressed and um, I think pre-vaccine days when I was just, you know, almost never leaving the house, I seemed to be the last person on earth to discover Postmodern Jukebox. And I just fell in love with this thing. So they basically what they do is that they take songs, contemporary pop songs, and reimagine them as songs from other eras. And uh, they do an incredibly good job of figuring out what era you would put that song. And, and and in some ways, almost you realize, oh, that's actually what that song really is. You know, at its heart, that actually is the genre it was. It just got updated to our contemporary. They've discovered that most rap songs, for some reason, work best in a 1920s uh, style. And there's a gangster's paradise that just is hilarious. There's also an Ice Ice Baby that's really funny, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, stop. And listen, Ice is back with my brand new invention song. Grabs a hold of me tight and flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? No, I don't know. Turn out the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a jump like a candle. Dance, rush the speaker that booms. I'm feeling um, there's also a bad romance as a Gatsby style swing with tap dancing. Um, <laughs> Wayne Brady does Thriller as a 1930s Cab Calloway song. And you're like, oh, my God, that is what Thriller is. It's yeah. totally a Cab Calloway song. <laughs> uh, you can imagine like Betty Boop, you know. And then they do like they did um, the Spice Girls wannabe as an Andrew Sisters song. Wait, wait, Andrew Sisters? What does that mean? Oh, you know, the Andrew Sisters. No. Okay, so. Uh, they're like the original girl group from the 1940s. You've heard the Andrews Sisters. They 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 sang in this incredible harmony. I went through a big like 1940s phase once, like many. I don't know. I just it was like this stupid hipster phase I went into. But anyway, <laughs> I got there's some amazing 1940s music, and the Andrews Sisters were just like they they just had these this incredible syncopation um, between them. You've heard them. Like once you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's the sound of the 40s. That's the sound of like World War. You know, the girl group of World War II. So to have the Spice Girls reimagined as the original girl group brilliant. is brilliant. It's totally brilliant. If you want my future And the amazing thing is these songs almost never sound anachronistic. That's what kind of blows me away. And they do a little costuming to sort of, even though it's obviously people now dressed up in, you know, it's like if you go to a Gatsby party, you never think, oh my God, I feel like I'm in the 20s. You're more like, well, I guess you dug that out of your closet. It looks pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Have you, have you seen the um, the Old Town Road video they did? They they, they uh, reimagined it as kind of like a bluesy, I guess, from the 20s. Mm. And they, they hired a, I think, a Broadway singer, like, like someone someone who's been on Broadway and who's been like a, a proper blues singer to do it. And, and she is incredible. Like, honestly... 
I might prefer it to the original. And then I, I scroll down and, and little Nas X himself is in the comments saying like, wow, this is great. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many times I'm like, that actually holds its own. It's not like, oh, ha ha. They redid that song in this other genre. You're like, oh, my God. And for some reason, it just brought me so much warmth and happiness and joy when some of the most, you know, especially during in 2020, the, you know, the second half of 20, 2020 was rough as yeah. it is, but the second half of 2020 was really rough. And I just, what got me through it was postmodern jukebox. Yeah. How did you discover them? Like, like, were you, were you just kind of looking for channels like this that were uh, providing a twist on music? Was it kind of an accidental, just stumbled upon it somehow? I stumbled upon it. I love surfing YouTube. I know people get creeped out by algorithms that know them really well, but I'm like, please, you know, get to know me. Um, (laughs) Why else would I waste my time on your site if you don't? (laughs) And YouTube knows me so well. It's just like, why, yes, I did want to watch that scene of when Scotty met Picard on Next Generation. How did you know? Um, (laughs) It's just weird how it seems to always know what I'm in the mood for. And so I just sometimes they just cycle through all the time. I love just just I can surf YouTube for a while. Um, And it just popped on YouTube one day. I don't know why. Oh, you know what I think it was? They did it. They did a Pinky in the Brain, the theme song of Pinky in the Brain. Ooh. As a 1940s kind of swing, which it really is. That actually is what it is. Yeah. And they got the two original voice actors of Pinky and the Brain to appear. It was done in like a fake nightclub and they got them. They were just in the background as like waiters. And I didn't oh even notice gosh. them until the camera then zoomed in on them and they did their characters. But as if they were, you know, they were human waiters and then they zoomed back out and then the woman continued with the theme song. I think that's how I discovered them initially. Oh, my gosh. So, like, I'm wondering about the use of anachronistic music in movies and in TV shows, like, does that pull you out of something when you're watching something and the the music sounds inappropriate for the era? Like, as an example, I have this really weird specific memory of the X-Men prequel, First Class, which is set in the 1960s, and there's a point where they just have a needle drop of a Norris Barkley song from the 2010s. And I just, I don't know why my brain chose to retain that information, that there's a speci- this specific needle drop in this movie from 10 years ago. But I remember in the theater being like, huh, why? <laughs> I don't know. I agree. Does that affect you? Yeah. Well, it depends how it's done. If it's done haphazardly, it really bothers me. Um, if the music is mostly of its time or just sort of orchestrated, you know, score, and then they throw in an anachronistic song that really throws me out of it. But if it's done intentionally, like the uh, Sofia Coppola and um, Marie Antoinette movie mm-hmm. or the Baz Luhrmann Great Gatsby movie, if it's done intentionally throughout the whole movie as a stylistic choice, I don't have a problem with it. It can be really fun. You know, I kind of enjoy that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, if it's done just kind of randomly, haphazardly one out of the only song in the whole movie or the only moment in the movie that's anachronistic it completely bothers me yeah yeah in the comments for basically every postmodern jukebox video there's someone saying someone needs to make a movie with these arrangements of these modern (laughs) songs in the era appropriate time in the 40s or wherever and i i cannot agree more i mean it's just it feels so right for that (laughs) yeah yeah totally for the longest time i became obsessed with trying to figure out exactly where they were the production values got better clearly it started out in like some guy's basement but it was like eventually they 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 got hd cameras they you know they, they go on tour too yeah. um i think they're back on tour now they are. i've been I, I wanted to see them but it was sold out the show here in brooklyn that was postmodern jukebox which you can find on youtube apple music spotify and more 
It's Final Friday. Eric, I asked you to tell me about someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back. And you said your pal James, who is at your pal James 007 on Twitter. Which I'm sure you followed already. You probably were a big fan. Oh, I absolutely did. This is one of several kind of genius viral accounts made over the years by Aaron Reynolds, who is also responsible for Swear Trek and Effin' Birds and a bunch of other cool internet projects. Explain what your pal James is all about. I love action figures. I loved action figures as a kid. They were always badly made when I was a kid. And now they make these gorgeous $250 action figures that look like you shrunk the actor down into plastic and then gave them perfectly tailored tiny clothes. Right. I have never, I did a whole episode about these action figures. I've never actually spent money on them, but I love going to uh, Forbidden Planet in New York and, and looking at what the latest ones are in the glass cases. However, you were you were just showing me before the taping, you did spend money on a very cool action figure, I guess an unofficial action figure uh do you want to a very a very affordable action figure i got at a street fair yes <laughs> do you want to ex- explain what that one is before before you go it on? was uh homer simpson as bane uh <laughs> i don't know who created them they had i could have gotten him as the joker or batman but i thought the one of bane was pretty amazing yeah i do have action figures around but nothing like that i mean those things are expensive not the 250 um, type yeah yeah, and there are people that will spend thousands of dollars on those. Wow. Um, but anyway, he bought the one that's, um, I think it's made by Big, I'm pretty certain it's the one made by Big Chief Studios, which is based in the UK, but he's he's based in Toronto, of um, Sean Connery's Bond, specifically from Goldfinger. And uh, he took the, these this, this beautiful photography of him, like looking at a tiny iPad or looking at a tiny iPhone, or at one point he then got a Chewbacca, you know, doll and he'll have Chewbacca giving Connery a piggyback ride <laughs> or they're sharing a motorcycle together. And for some, and I don't know, it was like, you know, it was like your pal James, he's just having a great time. And then there's one of him, I think it's like Roger Moore's Bond is playing an arcade video game, which is also like the size for an action figure that's, these are probably about a foot tall. Daniel (laughs) Craig's Bond is watching and Connery's about to knock out Roger Moore with like a blow to the back of his head, you know, like it's like, and they're all very nicely shot pictures. Um, And there's a whole genre of action figure photography, which is what I follow most, a lot of that on Instagram. I had no idea about this until you mentioned it in your email. Yeah, this this is like, you said this is like a parody of an existing genre. It's a, Yeah, it's like a parody of an existing genre. I follow on Instagram a lot of cosplay and then a lot of these uh, people who do these amazing pictures of their action figures. I wish people do more subversive stuff. You know, occasionally they'll have like, oh, look, it's Batman meeting Iron Man. But for the most part, they're usually trying to recreate movie scenes with action figures. Huh. Very well done, but my feeling is they often pick the same scenes, the same figures, uh, and then there are people that actually design their own figures, which is cool. Like this one guy once designed a beautiful action figure of Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. I mean, I wish Whoa. they sold that. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is kind of like a parody of those kinds of sites where there's, it, the whole thing has this totally absurdist take to it. He also bought Sherlock and Watson from the BBC series, mm-hmm. but th- he has the he bought the one where they're dressed from their 1800s clothes from the Christmas. <laughs> Christmas special, but then right. I think it was a Christmas special, but then he yeah. has them playing in a modern rock band. So there's like, a, there's always, I don't know, there's just something about it that just every picture makes me laugh. It was, you're right, it was a viral account that I think he just got bored with. I don't think he's posted in probably three years. Yeah. I miss my pal James. <laughs> <laughs> I want him back. I want him to, playing around with Chewbacca seemed to be his closest friend um, yeah. among the f- five or six action figures that Aaron Reynolds, Aaron Reynolds bought. But I want to see, I, I want to see, I miss my pal James. So yeah, it's, it's, so it's interesting. Are there, are there other accounts that you follow 
that are filling the void left by your pal James, or was this the only one that was really parodying the the action figure photography genre? It seems like something that would. I mean, it requires a lot of creativity. I don't mean to disrespect mm-hmm. Aaron Reynolds' work, but it seems like an area that's ripe for parody, for play, for, for trying weirder stuff than just recreating movie scenes. I agree. I agree. And there's, you know, people, sometimes people will be playful with it, but no one's doing it like he's, you know, like he was doing it. Um, hmm. And it was very simple, you know, and he would sort of photograph them. The funny thing, I think, is that he would photograph them not ironically, You know, you kind of got the sense of like, I just really want to show James Bond getting absorbed in his iPad or like, you know, riding a motorcycle with Chewbacca. They just they had a good time. This is what happened. You know, like (laughs) the deadpan of it, nature of it, I think is what makes it so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so if you had a blank check to buy just one of any of these fancy action figures that you have researched. Oh, and I have thought of this. Where's the money going? It's a tough call. It's a really tough call. Uh, for me, I mean, uh, I do. I've, I I would love a, a Captain America um, from the final uh, movie. The tough thing for me is Batman is my favorite character, but my favorite bat suit in live action was Ben Affleck's, the one he wore in Batman and Superman. Interesting, which is a movie that I cannot watch. I I think I barely made it th- made it through once. Um, <laughs> my favorite Batman is Christian Bale, but I never liked his suits very much. So that's where I'm I'm quite torn. Um, I mean, I could sort of split the difference to get Michael Keaton, but then it's like I'm even with that that imaginary blank check, I'm I'm torn. But I'm like, but but Luke Skywalker's right there at different ages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say that this is this is George Clooney Batman nipple erasure. I I, I you know I, all, all the they never Batman made suits. that one. <laughs> <laughs> they never made that an action figure. <laughs> no, never made it. Okay, so so last question about this. I mean, uh, the day this episode comes out. We will have a new James Bond movie out in theaters. Are you are you a Bond fan? Like, is part of your your uh, your love of your pal James because of your own feelings about the Bond franchise? Ah, good question. Yeah, I mean, I've seen every single Bond movie that's ever come out, but I think it started with as a kid. I really, really loved the Connery Bond. I used to tape when they would they would show the movies on TV. This is how old I am. I would uh, put in a, a VHS tape and uh, I would wait for the commercials and pause, manually pla- pause my recording. Absolutely, yeah. And then I would put little stickers on my cassette tapes to write out the name Goldfinger or to live and let die or whatever. And then I feel like out of loyalty, I just watched the other 500 James Bond movies. Although I like <laughs> some of them. I mean, the, you know, there's been some good Daniel Craig ones, but at yeah. this point it's almost like, it's like almost being loyal to a band you really like, you know, you're like, well, I have all the other albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pot committed at this point. I might as well just make this my personality. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, it's two hours. What the hell? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just different as to whether I'm going to see it opening weekend or on a plane. You know, that's where it all comes down to. I, I've, I, I'm rewatching through the Daniel Craig movies. And so tonight I'm, I'm going to, you know, suck it up and watch Quantum of Solace again for the first oh, time since theaters. <laughs> Not a good one, yeah. Well, that was your pal James, who is at your pal James 007 on Twitter. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Eric Malinsky from Imaginary Worlds. Today's show is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Follow Friday, and I have some exciting news about that. As you probably know, your support on Patreon helps to defray the cost of making this show. And as a way of saying thank you, I'm going to send a present to all the patrons in the U.S. who are pledging at least $5 as of October 31st. 
they will receive in the mail a handwritten note from me and a sheet of official Follow Friday stickers, which are so cute. There are three little ducks and one big duck, just like our show art. Fun fact, the big duck's name is Friday. Anyway, these stickers are not available for sale anywhere. The only way to get them is on Patreon. If you're already a patron and you pledge at least $5, then you're good to go. You'll get the stickers in November. And if you pledge less than $5, you can increase your pledge to become eligible. I love being an independent podcaster, and it makes me so happy to have the support of listeners like you. So please go check out patreon.com slash follow Friday and go get your stickers. It's follow Friday. Welcome back to follow Friday. Eric, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who makes you think, and you said Sebastian de Oliveira, who is at Seb Colorization on Instagram. So that's S-E-B, and then the word colorization spelled the British way with an S. And so it may be obvious from his username, but explain what Seb Colorization does and why you like it. Yeah, this is an unusual choice because when you when you you asked me, someone who makes you think, I thought of people on Twitter who write really deep, profound stuff. People are very yeah, political. Most people pick that for you know this. this oh yeah, I yeah, love, yeah. I, I was really guy. I was really close, by the way, to picking Wendell Pierce, who is one of my favorite actors, and and just write some some powerful stuff on Twitter. But I felt like you know, I mean, everyone knows Wendell, not everyone, but if, if you don't know who Wendell Pierce is, you should. But anyway, I feel like most people know him from The Wire and a million other stuff. So I tried to think of something a little bit more unusual that, you know, maybe so many people wouldn't have heard of. And then I thought, you know what really weirdly makes me think? I love when people colorize black and white pictures. Um, I'm always, I always love staring, especially even if I just see an old photo Typically in old photos, people seem to look like they only exist in that era. You cannot imagine those people living anywhere but that era. And every so often you'll see somebody who looks weirdly contemporary in the middle in an old photo. And it's always kind of startling. And you just realize how alive these people were. And, and they they history becomes real. And there are a lot of people that color black and white photos, but most of them look fake to me. Most of them look kind of technicolor. Uh, this guy is French, but he writes in English, and most of his pictures are, are in the U.S., and I don't know whether he's particularly fascinated by America or whether he just thinks he'll get more people following if it's in English. But he is incredibly good at coloring black and white photos over and over again. They look like somebody went back in time took an HD photo and posted it. Um, Even the texture on people's clothes feels like I can reach out and touch it. And and, and very often I'll be looking at the picture and be mesmerized. And I'll just think, wait, wait, 1917? I swear that feels like somebody like just dressed up in these clothes and just staged this photograph. And so it really gives me, and I'll do as a slideshow too. First you see the colorized photo and then you see the original black and white. And then he'll do a close up of the colorized photo. Right, of some detail. Some part, some of it, detail, yeah. yeah. Which is usually often the part I was trying to to pinch zoom in on anyway to see. The, usually, it's the face, a close up of the faces. The reason it makes me think is because it just in those moments I feel like I'm cons. I, in those, I find those moments weirdly profound when I look at these people. And you really feel like you were looking at them through across time and they feel so real and so frozen in the moment. And I start thinking about what were they thinking in that moment? What, you know, what was going on in their lives? You know, everything that led up to that photograph being snapped, everything that happened afterwards. I find that it weirdly does make 
it makes me ponder, you know, not just think, but like ponder these photos, especially when they're just kind of so startlingly well done. Uh, and I've never seen anyone who's that talented at doing, I mean, I kind of enjoyed them like, oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. Lincoln in color, you know, but, but it's very, I've never seen anyone that every time I'm just like, holy shit, that's incredible. <laughs> It, it kind of reminded me of. Did you ever see that that Peter Jackson documentary, "They Shall Not Grow yes. Old," where he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. took he and the entire army of digital effects artists at Weta Digital took footage from World War One that was shot in weird frame rates and black and white and grainy. They colorized it and they made it look like modern footage. Like, yeah, but what did you think of that? Oh, it was too too much. That was so that was so incredible. I I it. It made me like World War One, which is something I normally have no feelings about. I mean, except, you know, that that was horrible, but nothing personal. I found it so emotional to watch that um, movie that I couldn't I couldn't make make my way through it. Yeah, I just felt so terrible for those guys because I could imagine so well myself and what 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 I have done in that situation. You know, I just felt like, thank you know, God, I didn't have to go to World War One, which is not a thought I think I'd ever had in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was incredibly good. And he he used um, uh, some incredible sound effects, too. I mean, I guess they did the incredible painstaking research. Um, yeah, they figured out, like, they looked at the footage and it was like, okay, it's this specific type of tank. And so then they recorded that type of tank, some some surviving, you know, artifact from 100 years ago. They went out to the field and recorded it because, of course, the original footage had no sound. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's narrated. I think those guys were probably... You know, they're old men. It sounds like they were interviewed by the BBC maybe in the 1960s. It was one of those things where, you know, every I mean, people are always thinking, well, what generation is dying off right now? And quick, let's get their stories. And that seems to be what how how these guys all got interviewed from what I could gather. Yeah. But so it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of historians who don't like the idea of colorizing photos or of updating the frame rate of, of old video. Um, I, I found this quote. This is um, from a Reddit thread. This is a historian with a username, Wote89, W-O-T-E-89. And they say, the thing about old photos is that everything about the image is part of the information we can learn from it. Not just the picture itself and what it's a picture of, but how it was composed, what its medium was, the balance of lights and darks. It's all part of the document. And when you alter it, that's creating a new document, reflecting a conjunction between the past and the present. Does that, I, I don't know, do, do you agree with that? Does that change how you feel about, you know, uh, SEB colorization or, or are there other projects like that? I agree with it, but I actually don't think it's a bad thing. My feeling is, yes, you have. Absolutely, you've created a new document. Yeah. Um, I, but I think it's assuming people think, well, that's much better. You know, let's get rid of the old thing. If somebody was to believe that, that's problematic. Right. So long as both still exist, though, it's yeah. fine. To me, it's like a cover song of something. To me, it actually goes back to postmodern jukebox. You know, you could do this absolutely brilliant version that you think, wow, these weirdly enough, these both seem almost like they, you know, these two, these two songs in my mind are kind of equally good and valid and interesting. The relationship between the original black and white and what he's doing is like a postmodern jukebox and, you know, the original music. It's finding some new meaning in the original media and it's not replacing the original media, yeah. And I feel like as somebody who loves history, it's often frustrating to me people who don't care about history. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like anything to make the past feel alive and to make people remember that these were real people just like us and, you know, I, I think is a good thing. Overall. I 100% agree with that, yeah. That was Sebastian de Oliveira, who is at Seb Colorization on Instagram. And colorization is spelled with an S. It's Final Friday.
We have time for one more follow today. Eric, I asked you for someone who makes you laugh, and I am right there with you on this pick. You said <laughs> Terrible Maps, who is at Terrible Maps on Twitter and at Terrible Map, singular, on Instagram. This one is also pretty self-explanatory, but first, uh, you, you mentioned in your email that you love, quote-unquote, legit Instagram maps. So let's start with that. Like, why is that? Would you, would you call yourself a map head? No, definitely not. But I enjoy, in terms of things that I follow on Instagram, you know, I always enjoy these 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 map stuff of like, you know, uh, this is the, um, you know, uh, this is the size the Roman Empire actually was. And they'll be they'll paint in red, you know, right. for all over North Africa and Europe. And you're like, oh, that is fascinating. Or, you know, how big something is compared to something else. And there's a lot of these very legit map sites that I find super interesting. And, um, you know, or another one I love, which comes up a lot is most common yeah, language spoken other than Spanish, you know, sort of other than Spanish or English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll, it's fascinating and I'll zoom in and it really gives you a sense of, of which state have the biggest population of which type of immigrants, you know, came to the state and you're like, oh, that's so fascinating. So apparently we have a huge Indian population bigger than any other, you know, ethnic minority. Like that's so interesting. You know, like, I don't know, just things like that I find really interesting. Um, and so this is a little bit similar to my your pal James, where this is actually a parody of those. So like one of the maps is most common uh, language spoken other than Spanish by state. And the entire U.S. is just blue and it says English. (laughs) 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 Or or another one, they had one recently, every U.S. state with the first letter missing, which was weirdly. California, North Dakota, (laughs) New York. Top 12 states to live in and they're just all the states that border Canada. I don't know. It's just... (laughs) Um, Or you know what, another, or or an example of a legitimate one, sorry, sorry, I just remembered another legitimate one, is they'll show like the population of Los Angeles if spread across the United States, what it would be. So you see like LA in this tiny little condensed red dot, and then you see this enormous red blotch, you know, that kind of stuff makes you think. Right. But then they'll do a parody of that, like, um, or a lot lot of times they'll say, you know, look, uh, there'll be a legit map site, we'll say, look how huge Australia is compared to whatever, and they'll superimpose Australia onto other continents. And so they did when that was like, America is huge compared to other continents and they shrunk down all the continents of the world including North America and put them all inside the United States <laughs> oh my god and it just makes me laugh every single time and also I think it's so deadpan um, another one I saw was danger presented by Indiana and so Indiana is red and all the states around Indiana are orange it says invasion anytime <laughs> <laughs> and then after that it's uh, the next ring is you are not safe and then there's like the yellow ring, I think, is time enough to hug your loved ones. And then, like, the <laughs> east and west coast, it's in gray, and it just says, illusion of safety. <laughs> like, oh the absurd, God. like, it's so absurdist. It just makes me laugh every time, especially when I follow all these other legit sites. And when it pops up in the middle of a bunch of other legit map sites, it just really cracks me up. Oh, that's interesting. Cause, yeah, because if you're following other legit maps accounts and you're not expecting a a fake map, a terrible map to, to pop up. It, it'll catch you off guard. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's a good good point, yeah. <laughs> it's like in Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi always made me laugh more than any other doctor because I never expected him to say anything funny. Right. And so when he did, I would just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's, a, uh, there's a headline from The Onion from several years ago that I love. 
grown man refers to map at beginning of novel to find out where ruined castle of Arnoth is located. And I, I think many years ago, you did a, an episode of Imaginary Worlds all about uh, fantasy maps, right? I did, yeah, that's true. So to, to talk about that, like, um, what, what's something about the way we use maps in fiction, or, or otherwise, if, if there's something else you, you, you've gleaned from the accounts that you follow, what's something that you think most people don't know about maps that's interesting to you? I think the hardest thing with a lot of fantasy maps is that uh, you know, Middle-earth and, and Westeros are pretty obviously based on England and maybe England's relationship to other countries. Right. And there's something kind of a little easy about that. And I think it's really hard to come up with maps that don't fit, you know, something that's already pretty familiar. Um, you know, I, I find that pretty, I, I find that kind of a little bit difficult um, to grasp. Or Sorry, that's a really good question. I feel bad I don't have a really good answer to that. <laughs> Yeah, I did that episode like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, what, one, one more terrible map before we go, which which is it's a, a picture of, of Finland with an F inside of it, and it says Finland. And it's a picture of Finland with an F outside of it, and it says Foutland. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Just what, what, what a brilliant account. That was Terrible Maps, who is at Terrible Map on Instagram. Eric, thank you for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure people know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Uh, good question. Because I have multiple accounts. Um, I mean, I have Imaginary Worlds. I have my own, you know, personal. Well, not. I mean, Facebook. I don't really do anymore. But I mean, I, my personal Facebook <laughs> because I have, I have, I have personal a- account and Imaginary Worlds accounts for both for Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's a lot to keep up. You know, I, I think honestly, just uh, the show itself. I think I'd love people to follow the show itself. It's you know, ImaginaryWorldsPodcast.org. If you want to learn more about it, uh, it's in. It's on everywhere. It's in, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, everything. I tweet at Emolinsky and Imagine Worlds Pod. I think I'm on Twitter probably the most because I like the instant gratification of it. I think my Imaginary Worlds account, I, I let myself get a little geekier. I, I, I allow more inside jokes in that one. I think Emolinsky, I tend to be a little bit more general observations. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's the... Um, the Instagram account for the show as well. I, you know, there's, there's often, uh, it's become very active. People, there's a lot of good discussions, I feel like, and, and conversations that end up happening in the comments of the Imaginary Worlds Instagram page, which I like. Oh, and what's the the uh, Instagram username? It's Imaginary Worlds Podcast. Um, that's where I announce the latest episodes. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think it's just as, you know, much as Facebook, if not more, you know, of, of people commenting, which is funny because in, initially I remember I had a Facebook account, like that seemed obvious, and Twitter. And then I was surprised to discover how many podcasters had Instagram accounts because it's audio. And I'm like, why do we have an Instagram account? And then a lot of listeners, I just, I, I think I posted on Facebook and said, would you want me to have an Instagram account? And so many people are like, yeah, because a lot of what you cover is really visual. And so I've started doing slideshows when I can of whatever is visual that I like this this past week I did an episode where I interviewed the production designer on Loki and it was perfect to have of course put 10 up 10 pictures up of you know of his production design so it's really nice to be able to have that kind of extra added element to the show wonderful well follow me on Twitter at hey hey ESJ and don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show in your podcast app if you like this episode then check out the past follow Friday interviews with Dallas Taylor from 20,000 Hertz Max Miller from Tasting History Rosevleth from Flash Forward, and many more. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday.